0: Like, I'm preaching on Joshua and Joshua 3 and 4 when they're crossing the Jordan. And, I, and then he said, Stones of Remembrance is, is the title. And I was like, oh, wow. Well, Stones of Remembrance, just this passage has a special place in my heart. It's just one of my favorites. I just, I love it. Um, so when he said that, I said, you know, about a year and a half ago, I wrote what I'll call a TED Talk. You guys know what a TED Talk is? Okay, yeah. So this is not a sermon. This is a TED Talk, okay? Yeah, just so you know. So I said, I wrote this, and I, I'm willing to, you know, go, I, have, I think I've got some good illustrations. I think I could help you. And I never say this. I'm like, you got this, you know. I, I sing. This is what I do. You, you preach. So he said, okay. So, you know, we, we had our coffee, and he said, hey, are you ready, to, you ready to go over my sermon and help me with my sermon? And I was kind of like, no, not really. Like, you know, I just, I was ready to do my thing. I was kind of over that, And then I said, oh, yeah, I guess I did kind of agree to that. So I sat down and kind of, I I said, well, you know, I kind of wrote this for you. So I actually wrote it from his perspective. So the illustrations were written for him. So I gave it to him and he read it. And he said, oh, Heather, you have to do this. Like, I can't get up there and do this. This is your revelation from the Lord. This isn't mine. And I said, no, that's not going to (laughs) happen. And he said, "Well, this is Jay. This is life with Jay. Are you guys ready?" Did you ask Jesus? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> I promise you, life with the pastor front row seat right here. So, uh, no, I didn't ask Jesus. So he said, "Well, would you ask Jesus?" <laughs> no, I don't want to ask him. <laughs> so he's I said, "Okay, Fine. I'll, he said, five minutes. Pray about it for five minutes." And I said, "Okay, fine. I'll pray about it five minutes." I went, and prayed about it. I actually did pray about it, and I really did feel like this is maybe the time for me to step out of my comfort zone. Singing, I can do it. Standing up here, upside down on my head, eyes closed, but speaking, totally different. But I did. <laughs> I did really feel like, okay, this is maybe the time, and and I feel like God's laid this on my heart, so I wanted to share it with you. So this morning we're going to be talking about stones of remembrance. So Jay, thank you for the opportunity for sharing your pulpit with me. <laughs> okay. So one of the things that we absolutely love to do in our families, we love to hike. Jay and I love to hike. Like it's, it's kind of our thing. We get out in nature and we're anywhere we're hiking from the Rockies to the Smokies, from Yosemite to Whidbey Island, wherever. I mean, we, we love it. To Busick. So, if you guys have ever hiked, maybe you've seen these things along the way. But have you ever seen the rocks that are stacked on top of one another? I think we have a picture up here for you. So these rocks, I'm kind of puzzled by these rocks. I, every time I hike, I see them, and I think, hmm, I wonder, you know, why, why are these rocks up there? What, what, what caused people to stack rocks? I mean, did, is it a child's play toy? Is it a bored teenager? Did somebody propose here? Like, what, what happened? What's the deal? And I've honestly never stacked them. I've, I've not thought much about it. But I would like to suggest that it's actually biblical. So that seems crazy. But what we have here is stones of remembrance. So somebody may have proposed to someone someplace. Somebody may have hiked to a cool waterfall, Somebody may have hiked the half dome and thought, you know what, I want to remember this. I want to put some stones and build them so I can remember. Somebody may have just made it through the hike and been like, yes, I survived. I'm building stones, and you will see me after church building stones in the back of the parking lot. So I survived the sermon. I'll be out there. <laughs> so for real, that, that might actually happen. But, but I do see these, and I... I've just often wondered about them and wondered if people actually know that it's a biblical principle. So, if you guys would, if you would turn in your Bibles to Joshua 4 with me. And this is NIV. So, this is Joshua 4, 1 through 7. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua Choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up the stones from the middle of the Jordan. From right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you in the future when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Now, If you guys remember last week, Jay talked about consecration. And so that happens in chapter 3. Joshua is basically heard from the Lord, and he's told the people, hey guys, it's time to consecrate ourselves, because the Lord is going to do some awesome and wonderful things among us. Anybody say amen to that? Right? So we did that last week. We're like, Lord, here we are. We're consecrating ourselves to you. So then the very next verse, Joshua 3, 7, God speaks to Joshua and says this, And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. So the interesting thing to me about this scripture, and this just kind of popped out to me, is the word they. And I think it's interesting because it says, I will exalt you in the eyes of Israel so that they may know. Not so that Joshua could know. Joshua didn't need any more revelation. Like, Joshua knows. Hey, this is God. But I kind of just think, were the people kind of like, you know, the Brady Bunch? And there's Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. I just wonder if they were like, Moses, Moses, Moses. And Joshua's like, hey, guys, I'm here. You know, I just kind of wonder. Because it says, this is a sign that they may know. And that just, I don't know, that just kind of fascinated me. Because I think oftentimes, even in our life, we think we're going through things for us. And it's for others. It's, all, it's always for others. So that's just something I got out of that. So we're going to recap the story just a bit. So right after Joshua, God has spoken to Joshua and said this, then he tells him, so tell the priest that I want you to get the Ark of the Covenant and go out in front of the people. So he says, tell the priest to do this, and then I want you to get 12 men, one from each tribe. So you're going to get one from each tribe, and at this point in the story, he hasn't told them what, what it's for. But get one person from each tribe, and they're going to cross the Jordan. So go and stand at the water's edge, and the Jordan is going to part, and you guys are going to cross it. So this is the story. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in a minute. But the three themes that really stick out to me in this story are three that I'm going to mention. Provision, protection, and purpose. And these are just, I don't know, this is just what I think of when I think of this story. And this account is just, it's really amazing. So Provision. Okay, so children of Israel have been in the wilderness and we talked about this last week. They've been going around and around and around and around 40 years, right? So we really don't understand why they need to build stones until we realize what they went through. And so in my mind, I often call this the what that led to the why. Because a lot of times people say, why did so-and-so do this and why did so-and-so do that? And they're asking the wrong question because the right question is, what happened in so-and-so's life that led them to that? And so I think we have to ask that question here. The what that led to the why. So God provided for them. So here's a couple examples. Exodus 13:21. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way. And by night, a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or by night. So we see here he gave them a cloud to help them with the sun, the heat of the day. And then at night he gave them fire, he gave them heat. Exodus sixteen twelve. Now tell them, speaking of the Israelites, in the evening you will have meat to eat and in the morning you will have all the bread you want. Amen to that. All the bread you want. That sounds like my kind of diet. Let's market it. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. So these are just a couple examples of how God has provided for them. And I guess one of my questions for you this morning is, how has God provided for you? Because I think we all have things that have happened in our life, and maybe we're not telling the story. So many of you guys know about our, our journey the last year, but I think you've heard that from Jay's perspective rather than mine, so I'm going to share just for a couple minutes on that. And about, let's see, December of last year, or the year before, I, I took a job with a company, and it was kind of the first time that I had good insurance. So for those of you that have it, you're great, you know. But for if you don't have it, you're kind of like, wow, insurance, this is such a cool thing. I mean, you just can go to the doctor whenever you want. It costs like $35. That's amazing to me. So, so I had this insurance. I got the insurance kicked in after three days of employment, which is, is insane, So I just thought, this is great. So I have my insurance. I worked the job for five weeks. It just really didn't work well for me. I never saw my kids. I never saw my family. I was working nights. Um, You know, pastoring a church is just difficult. So Jay and I talked it over, and I said, hey, I just, this isn't working. And he was like, great, because I never thought you should take the job anyway. So, okay, fine, great. So I quit the job. And when you quit a job, many of you may know you have COBRA, that you can put into place so you can keep your insurance for up to 18 months. Well, it was, I think, $483. And so we chose not to do that at the time. So fast forward just a little bit to February 14th, Valentine's Day, the romantic day of the year. Right? It's coming up, guys. Are you ready? Do you have your gifts? OK. I'm just, you've been warned. So I'm just saying, <laughs> if you don't, it's your fault. So Valentine's Day, 2017, I got a call that changed my life forever, and um, I took the call and they, they said, we want you to know you have cancer. We've detected cancer. And just hearing that word stops someone in their tracks. I don't care if it's a mole on your nose or a tumor in your stomach. You hear the word cancer and you just kind of fall apart. So I dropped to the floor and I grabbed my chocolate lab and I hugged her and I cried for a long time. And you know, Jay came in, hugged me, and he's, of course, Jay, who's like, God's got this and it's gonna be fine, and and God's given me scriptures for this already. Of course he has. I'm like, well, he hasn't given those to me. And I'm kind of the one with this diagnosis, so thank you, but anyway, so, so, you know, he, he prays for me, and then he says, well, hey, let me call this nurse back, let's, she's probably wrong, yeah, probably, she's not, <laughs> but, so he calls back, and then he, we decided pretty quickly, okay, we need to go ahead and get this Cobra, we need to reinstate this, this is just, this is the right thing to do, um, you know, somebody that has a cancer diagnosis probably needs insurance, probably a good idea. So we did this, and I I just remembered thinking, okay, this five hundred dollars a month is going to come from somewhere. Where's it going to come from? Where are we going to pull this from? You know, are we going to pull it from here? You know, because I I do the budget. So in my mind, I'm I'm thinking, I'm playing the cards out, and then I'm dealing with just the emotions and the physical aspect and the doctor's appointments and it, just everything. You know, you're just dealing with a lot. So I remember the day that um. We're sitting on the couch it's a day after church and this is my journal and so rather than me tell you guys the story I want to read it to you because I feel like when you hear it you will really get a picture more of how I felt so it is personal to me but but I'm going to read this to you so this is after church one day and it says God continues to show us his faithfulness and provision." After church, sitting on the couch, we got an email from a friend who says, I want to pay for Heather's COBRA insurance of $500 a month for her as she needs it up to 18 months. Wow. I was floored. And I said that. I was floored, shocked, in awe of his provision. And yet again, he's using his people to help us. I was so grateful that I cried. It was such a burden to me to think of where we would pull the extra $500, especially with Jacob graduating and going to college. I felt so guilty that we would be using it for me, but really didn't tell anyone. This is such a huge blessing. Thank you, Lord. And then I I handed every journal with hashtag God's got this. It's just my thing. So hashtag God's got this. Anyway. Awesome, right? I mean... Yeah. You guys, I just can't even, other than to read the story to you, I just can't even put into words how I felt and to tell my kids and to say, guys, I felt like life, I mean, I'm hopeless. I'm hopeless. I'm thinking, I'm thinking I might not see Jacob graduate. I did, obviously. And, you know, in your mind, you play things out, worst case scenario, and I'm the queen of that. But to get this, and to be reminded, you know what, God, you remember, you know me, you've got me in the palm of your hand. And yeah, maybe the circumstances around me don't look ideal at all, but God, you've got this. I mean, it's so awesome. So I wanted to share that. Psalms two, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. So let's talk about protection. So we talked about the provision. Now we're going to talk about protection. So Joshua 3:15 through 16. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as the priest who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zerithan. <laughs> While the water flowing down the sea of Araba that's a band from the 70s the Dead Sea was completely cut off so the people crossed over opposite Jericho okay so I want to put this into context a little bit for you so I have a couple pictures this is courtesy of Jay by the way I know you guys are surprised so we have the first picture here is the Jordan River so to the right this would be Jordan to the left this is Israel so this little yellow buoy thing that's in the middle that's actually there because the river can get so flooded that people actually need to, or it will, it will move so fast, people will need to hang on to it. So this is actually the spot. Jay was there two years ago, and he was actually baptized in this spot. So another thing interesting about this is this is the spot where Jesus was baptized. So that's super cool. And then this is the spot where they crossed. Okay, so you look at that, and you kind of think, not that big of a deal, right? I mean, that's kind of what, honestly what I thought. I just thought... Okay, bunch of whiners. But let's go to but let's go to the second the second slide. Okay, or the third. Yes. Okay, so this is during flood stage. Different, right? So I look at this and I'm thinking, maybe all those kids hadn't had swimming lessons at the YMCA, and maybe their parents are like, hmm, this could be tricky. I mean, this, this is a bigger deal than the last picture, right? Wouldn't you guys agree? Yeah. So this can get to be a mile wide, and this is during the harvest. So it says here in this passage that it reaches flood stage during the harvest. So, I mean, that's kind of a big deal. I mean, I think that to, say, to see this thing part would just be awesome sight to see that, for your kids to see that. I mean, that is something you want to remember, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay, so Joshua 4, 17 through 18. So Joshua commanded the priest, come up out of the Jordan, and the priest came up out of the river carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. No sooner had they set their feet on dry ground than that the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran at flood stage as before. So to me, this is just a seemingly impossible situation. I mean, really, and, and it's a miracle that doesn't happen all the time. I mean, obviously, the Red Sea has been parted prior to this, and so here, the Jordan River is parting. So, so ha- things like this have happened, but it's not something that happens every day, and I would venture to say that in our lives, and in our families' lives, we have things that happen, but not every day. And that we maybe don't take the time to remember and write them down. But I want to tell you a story about something that happened in our family. So I have, uh, I had a papa and my grandpa, my mama and papa is what I call them, and um, he was an Assembly of God pastor for forty five, forty six years. Like the greatest man that you could ever like, like picture the greatest man. Do you have him in your mind? Times ten. I mean, just just awesome. He's just. He's just that kind of man, and Jay references him some in sermons, but he's my papa, so I feel like I have rights to him. So, anyway, so uh, several years prior to even me being born, my mom was a little girl, and my papa was pastoring a church, and they were moving, so my grandparents had three kids, my mom, her sister, and her brother, and as they're moving, they're doing something with the hot water tank. So my papa is down there fidgeting with his hot water tank, and it explodes. So um, my mom still tells the story. In fact, she was talking to me about it this weekend. And she said she could just see the flesh hanging off of his arm. And his whole, everything is just charred. You know, so he's got flesh hanging. He's screaming. She said, I still remember, I think she was nine. I still remember just hearing my dad scream them throwing him in a car, and me thinking, my dad's dying. I'll never see him again. Um, you know, as a nine-year-old, that's traumatic. So I think they got the call about a couple days later. He was going to make it. So they said, you know, he's going to live, but it's going to be a six-month recovery. So you've got, you know, six months in the hospital. I'm sure this is a country hospital. I mean, they were from Arkansas. I mean, <laughs> That wasn't a joke. That was just <laughs> honesty. <laughs> so I'm sure that this was a country. Little hospital, not, not state-of-the-art technology. I mean, we're talking like the 60s or something. So anyway, they have my papa in this room, and they've built what I'll describe to you as like a chicken wire arbor around him. And around this arbor, they have a sheet. And then on him, they have lots of cooling packs because he's just, you know, he's, a, he's got third-degree burns all over his body. So as he's laying there for several days, there's a man in their church who was a retired Pentecostal preacher. So he comes in to the nurse's area and says, I'm here to pray for Brother Worley. And the nurse says, no, you you can't. You can't pray for him. You can't go in. You can't see him. And he said, my God tells me I can. So I think she was like, okay, (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I just think about mercy. You have to go through like 11 levels of germ disinfectant just to give somebody balloons. I can't even imagine walking in and just actually being able to see someone. So he walks into my papa's room and he says, Brother Worley, and evidently my papa's eyes were just swollen shut from, from the burn and the swelling and, and he's, you know, covered in gauze and whatever. Brother Worley, I'm here to pray for you. And he said, this is Brother Hughes, Everybody says brother, brother and sister. I think it's just because then you knew the whole family's name. You didn't have to know each individual person. They were brother and sister this, and it's little brother and sister this, you know. So so Brother Hughes says, Brother Worley, I'm here to pray for you. And my papa said, well, great, thank you, but, but they've told me you can't touch me. And Brother Hughes, I mean, I can just envision him in my mind, says, well, my Bible tells me that I will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And you know what? He did. My papa was released within two weeks. He was supposed to be in the hospital for six months. Two weeks. You guys, my whole life, he didn't have one scar. Not one. Now they said when he came home from the hospital, all of his hair was gone and and his actually all of his skin was charred and it did continue to peel off in layers for a couple weeks, but no scars. He could never grow a beard, but I mean, okay. <laughs> that seems like it could be a blessing if you don't like to shave. So, I mean, but a huge miracle, huge miracle. So my mom witnessed this, my uncle witnessed this, my aunt witnessed this. They've told their kids. Now we've told our kids. Now I'm telling you guys, you know, how God protected my papa. It's awesome. I know you guys have stories like this. So, Maddie, I told, we, Maddie got to hear this story this week with my mom in Kansas City. And it made me think about her because she does, she has this story, but she has a story of her own. And a few of you guys have heard it, so I'll go over it quickly. But it's a huge story for me because, as her mom, it's a big deal. My baby was three years old. We're out at the farm. Jay is with um, my brother, who's, who's older than her, Jordan, and Maddie, who is three. And they're in a big old Ford truck, like a 1982 white, ugly Ford truck. You know, I don't know. It's just whatever. So they're in this Ford truck. And this is like, do you know when the they had the shifters on the column? What's that called? The sh- whatever it's called. The shifter. Okay, we'll just call it that. So the shifter's on the column. And so he drives up, puts the, puts the car in park, and then he grabs Jordan. Jay grabs Jordan and picks him up. And as he pulls him out, Jordan's foot kicks the shifter, gear shift. That sounds better. The gear shift. Throws it into reverse, and the truck goes down the hill, takes out a barbed wire fence, takes out two small trees, and then it ends up crashing into a tree. Well, my baby was in that truck without a seatbelt, standing up holding the steering wheel. So I'm sitting inside the house, and I hear dynamite. I mean, that's what we thought. We just thought dynamite has just exploded. What just happened? So we run out, and I see Jordan standing there, and I look to the right, and I see Jay just running, and it's kind of down a ravine, and I'm like, Maddie, you know, so I I only have the words to say, God protect her, I mean, that's all, that's all I've got, so I hear him running, I, I run, I meet up with them a little bit, and I see that he's gotten her, and she is still standing there, okay, so you guys, he ran over the door of the truck, So it's ripped off its hinges by a tree. And she's standing there, holding the wheel. Hi, Dad. (laughs) Totally fine. I mean, standing there. He is covered in blood. He's run through, like, barbed wire fence. He's got dirt on him. He looks like he's, I mean, he looked terrible. But, (laughs) and he has her, and he brings her over, and I grab her, and we're hugging her. And I'm like, Maddie, oh my goodness, thank you, Lord, you're okay, but were you scared? You know, because every mom, you're like, oh my goodness, were you scared? And she's like, no. We're like, really? And she said, no, I just, I just looked at the little light boy. I, yeah, and we were like, really? I, and I kind of in my mind, I'm like, was something on the dashboard, you know, that she was looking at, like a bobblehead, or, I mean, I just, I just didn't know, because it wasn't our truck, And she said, no, I I was just staring at this little light boy. And to this day, she still says she remembers this little light boy. And I don't know. I don't know if it was an angel. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it's something the Lord provided for her to see. But she didn't take her eyes off of him. And she just sat there and held the steering wheel. And she's sitting on the front row today. I mean, yeah. So to me... That's just an awesome story of protection in our family's life. You guys, if I had that truck door, I promise you, it would be mounted on my wall. It wasn't our truck, so I couldn't take the door. (laughs) But if I did, I so would, so that every time my kids would pass by it, they would remember God's faithfulness and his provision and his protection in their life. How awesome would that be? Does anyone have a Ford truck to work? No. Okay. Okay, so the next one, purpose. Joshua four twenty three and 24. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you crossed over. As the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord that is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. So I think we see the purpose. It's so God gets the glory. Amen. I think oftentimes we think, why is this happening? We want the Jordan experience without the wilderness. We want the truck door mounted to the wall, but we don't want our three-year-old to have to ride down the back of a hill in a ravine. We want to be on this side of the cancer journey without having the cancer. I mean, I do. I was not polled. Somebody didn't say, who wants cancer? Me. That did not happen. (laughs) I guarantee you. So I just think the purpose is so that God gets the glory. So Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7 says, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up that we would do this, wouldn't that be great? That we would actually talk about these things at lunch today. Talk about the things that God's done in your life. I know they're out there. I know you guys. I know some of these things. But are you telling people, or are we holding it in? So uh, that, that Thursday morning, when we were here praying, we have the cards that are out here for um, morning prayer. And I noticed Thursday that about half of them were actually testimonies. And I thought, this is awesome. Like, I love that. But you guys need to hear about it. So David Sissel made it happen. He made a video for us. So if you guys would turn your attention, these are some of the great things that have happened in the last 21 days. Great, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just amazing. They walked up here on the stage, and I'm like, I got this. Like, my people are here now, so (laughs) I got my team. This feels normal to me. Um, So we have a gift for you this morning. Ushers, if you guys would come forward, we're really excited to give you this gift. In the office, they've been working on this, and I think it's so cool. So they're going to be bringing this out to you, and you guys can just go ahead and start distributing them to everyone. So what we have for you today, we have some journals, or if you want to call it a stone of remembrance. And so this is basically, it has our logo on it, which is super cute. It has a pen so that you don't need to go find one. But this is just for you to write down the things that God's done in your life. Because you never know who may need that information someday. It may be a coworker, It may be a neighbor. It may be your child. But unless you write it down, I've just found that we often forget things when we don't write them down. Put it in your iPhone or take a selfie. But remember the things that God's doing. I mean, we, we owe it to the next generation. Honestly, we do. Like, we've got to do our part. I don't care if they're your kids or not. Like, We owe it to them. We owe it to the next generation to declare the faithfulness and the goodness of God to all people so that he would get all the glory. So up here on the screen, if you would put the picture up here of the black box. So it's actually a flight recorder. They call it a black box, which it's actually orange. So... I don't know, whatever. (laughs) Black box that's orange. But I think about this, I thought about this black box with this because I thought, I think sometimes the promises of God, we keep them in our heart like a black box. The black box or the flight recorder is always recording information all the time, but it's only accessed in an emergency, right? Plane crashes, oh, we can't wait to find the black box, okay, okay. I feel like we're like that sometimes. We hold the promises of God within us, and we're only accessing them in an emergency. And God's like, no. Build the stone of remembrance so that all people will know, all generations, the young and the old, everyone. Guys, we can't keep it in us. Like, it's our duty to proclaim the promises of God. Are you guys with me? Yeah, I mean, let's do it, right? So your homework is to journal something this week. Woohoo! I admit, I'm not the best journaler, so, you know, this isn't full. But there's one more journal reading that I want to read to you. And this is the very next day. This is 227.17. And I said, a visit with my mama, who was married to my papa, today reminded me of my heritage one of faith. Though I don't have my papa to to say it to me, I remember the stories of God's faithfulness and provision and healing. And I can faintly hear my papa saying in my mind, he won't let you down. He will be faithful. God's got this. Would you guys bow your heads and let's pray.